Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 259 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. Finally, it's warm and sunny. The bees are getting busy. We're queen rearing, attempting to prevent swarms and dropping a little varroa control in all at the same time. short and sweet a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span a beekeeper in fact just like me hi everyone another week flies past and we're well and truly into some swarming colonies and some much needed dry and sunny weather i wouldn't say we're having extremes of weather just yet but it's been a cold wet start to the season for me and that's meant that most things have been really slow to get going. Compare that to the last couple of seasons where we've had warm sunny starts to the year and everything has raced away. It's been a little frustrating to be sat waiting for the weather to break and to really get cracking with the bees. That's all changed now and it's remarkable just how quickly our colonies can turn things around from being stuck in cold, wet, windy conditions on maybe three frames to now, in some instances, growing to 12 frames of brood in a double brood setup. I think I reported a week or so ago that the weather was due to break and warm up significantly. Well, after several false starts, it does now look like we're through the colder spring weather and into a more settled, drier and warmer period, at least according to the UK's Met Office website. I'm just quoting the professionals here. These are not my forecasts. It's funny how it all unravels so quickly and turns cold and wet again. Anyway, let's remain optimistic and enjoy the warm weather while it lasts. I don't know about you folks, but I find that I've been putting on my bee suit and feeling quite chilly for a few weeks, and then all of a sudden I put it on and feel like I need to reach for one of those John McEnroe-style headbands to keep the sweat out of my eyes. Happy days now, though. We're off and running fast into summer. A short while ago, I was at one of our fishing lakes apiaries and split a colony into five small two-frame nukes and kept the original queen that had swarmed and, being clipped, had gathered under the floor with her swarm. You'll probably recall it. Well, this week... This last week, we were back at the apiary and I figured it was time to take a look at the queen cells that we had split off to see if they had successfully emerged and if we were lucky enough to have any mated and laying queens in those boxes. Typically for beekeeping, we have a mixed report for you. The good news, it's all good news actually, every split had an emerged queen cell. By that I mean the queen cell we had selected produced an adult queen and she had successfully emerged from her queen cell. If you're splitting colonies for swarm control or for increase and you only have a couple of colonies with no pressure on having to create more increases, there really isn't any need to inspect these splits early. You can happily leave them another week or two longer than I have before going in and seeing if the queen has mated, eggs being the confirmation sign that you're looking for. 
With the splits I'm creating, I'm keen to get the bees prepared for a move to the borage in late June. So the earlier I can get laying queens into splits and building up, the better it is for getting a crop off the borage. Just to go back to my investigation of these splits, only one had a laying queen. She had just started to lay eggs and of the other four splits, they all had polished cells indicating that the workers were preparing them for a queen to start laying in. It's a good sign really, you can look into the cells and they do look quite shiny. So I'm feeling quite happy that we have queens nearing that laying point. If I had left them another week, then maybe they would all have eggs visible. You know how impatient us beekeepers are though, we can't help ourselves can we? Just a quick look, it won't do any harm will it? Well, it looks like it's all going to be well. But let's not count our queens until eggs are laid. These queens, if successfully laying, can go on to build large colonies quickly as long as the weather stays warm and dry. You'll remember my comments earlier about fast-growing spring colonies. Well, some of those colonies are seemingly still stuck, frozen in a kind of limbo state, unable to grow past two frames of brood. Now I'm putting this down to resources. There are just not enough bees in these very small colonies to allow the queen to lay more eggs while the weather has been so cold. Remember, we need workers to feed the young larvae and also, and probably more importantly, we need the workers to keep the larvae warm. And in these colder conditions, I suspect this is where the effort has been made. It restricts these colonies from getting out to forage and with limited supplies, they've just not expanded as fast as other colonies and as fast as, I guess, I had hoped. Now that the weather is warming up though, we can do something to help. Many beekeepers, especially commercial beekeepers, would have united or destroyed these colonies by now. From a purely business perspective, you understand. It does take a lot of time, effort and money to nurse these colonies through. The decision I made very early on was to retain them. The reason for this is twofold really. First off, we had lost way too many colonies already in this past winter for me to simply shake out or unite additional colonies. And the other important factor is that most of these colonies had queens that were bought in last autumn, at some considerable expense I have to say. I really couldn't bring myself to destroy these queens and lose that outlay. I'm glad I didn't cull them, as now I do have queens that should really get cracking in terms of egg laying, and we can finally do something to help. The easiest way to assist these very small colonies is to add a frame of emerging brood. So this is brood that has been capped for around 10 to 12 days. 10 days meaning it's about 18 days old in total. That's from the point the egg was laid. 8 days from the egg lay to larvae being capped and then around 10 days or so being capped equaling 18 days. Workers emerge on or around day 21 so in just 3 more days these workers will emerge into a completely different colony. Not that they know this and go on to work. So what's the reason behind this? Well, first off, it gives the small colony an immediate boost of adult workers within their colony and frees up the older workers to get out and forage along with all the other duties that they perform. 
An increase in nectar coming in will encourage the queen to increase her egg-laying rate, thus building a bigger brood area for themselves and contributing to the growth of the colony. The other important reason for adding the sealed brood is that near-adult workers within sealed cells don't need as much attention in terms of the maintaining of a temperature required for them to survive as very young larvae. So the sealed brood is very much more likely to survive any cooler nights that we might still have. It's the main reason for delaying the addition of any sealed brood to these smaller colonies earlier in the season. If we'd had a spell of warmer weather in early April, let's say, a week of confirmed warm sunny weather, then I may have been tempted to add a frame to these colonies at that point. It would have helped them grow so much earlier. But we can't control the weather, so we have to make the best of what we have. Now is the time to help these colonies. Just hopping back to the new queens in those splits that I made, I meant to say I have some interesting options to ponder with these small splits. And it's exactly the same decision as I have with the small overwintered colonies. I can rob a frame of emerging brood from a much stronger colony in the apiary, boosting the population of workers in these two frame nukes. I can leave them exactly as they are. It's highly unlikely they'll produce any honey. Certainly none that I can take as a crop this season if I were to go down this route. So maybe it's not an option, given I haven't really got a spring crop of honey to talk of. Finally, I could cage the queen and add her to a split double brood colony. This option instantly giving a large number of adult bees the young, fast egg layer that they can really build strongly with. So which way to go? Well, I've not always had great success with introducing caged queens to splits. This could mean the queens I've raised are simply killed because of my incompetence, impatience, or just because. That's beekeeping, right? So I think the way forward, if I want to try to get a crop of honey from these mini splits, is to add a frame of near-emerging brood each week for the next two, three, or even four weeks. That's going to massively increase the potential of these colonies and should see them at full strength by the time they go to the borage. Here we have to be careful though, because I don't want to hold back the strongest colonies from becoming large honey production colonies either. It's always a balancing act, always thinking about the effect that making any of these changes will have, both on the receiving colony, but also the donating colony. And it's really important to remember that all of this is being done using only healthy colonies. You really have to be on top of disease recognition and feel comfortable that you know that they're healthy. There's absolutely no point in moving frames of brood containing foul brood from one colony to another, an extreme example I know, but one that shouldn't be ignored. A much lesser impact would be if you were to move frames of chalk brood or varroa. It's just not worth moving these types of infections around your apiary. It will just end in more disease for you to have to deal with at a later point. Talking pests and diseases, I've been busy pulling out wax moth larvae now that they're revealing themselves. We have two types of wax moth that are troublesome, the greater wax moth and the lesser wax moth. Neither are really any threat to our colonies, but they are a total pain in the backside. When you get to a dead oak colony, 
that this beekeeper forgets or ignores the cleaning up process. All that you get is a box full of wax moth silk and holes chewed into the wooden boxes. Worse still is the damage done in poly boxes. A few seasons ago, I left a dead-out colony in a Maysmore poly commercial hive in one of our apiaries. Embarrassingly, a few months later, I spotted wasps going into the hive through the holes in the brood box. These holes were where the wax moth had chewed into the poly brood box and out the other side into the wide world and freedom to head off to start over in another one of my colonies. If you're carrying out an inspection, make it a task to have a look at the sealed brood. I was going to say a close look, but it's really quite obvious when you see a wax moth trail. It looks like a light-coloured trail in otherwise evenly coloured cappings. This is the tunnel that the wax moth has created to travel safely through the brood, munching its way through cells and generally causing little damage but spoiling what otherwise might be a lovely slab of digestive biscuit-coloured wax cappings. If you move the bees away from this area with your fingertips, you can use the corner of your hive tool to unpick the tunnel and undoubtedly find a wriggling culprit trying to hide away from you. Use your thumb and the corner of the hive tool to pick it out and feed it to the local bees, aka squish and throw. If this method isn't successful or the wax moth dives down into the cell to hide, shake all the bees off the frame, hold the frame horizontally with the wax moth trail uppermost and tap the side of the frame repeatedly with your hive tool. And just like a snake charmer of old, the wax moth will suddenly emerge from the cell and attempt to roll away on the cell cappings. Again, pinch it out and feed to the birds, especially if you're at home and have chickens. They love them, especially the fat, greater wax moth larvae. Talking of feeding chickens, now's a pretty good time to carry out a little mechanical varroa treatment. As all our colonies grow, and the population heads towards its maximum for the summer, so then does the population of Varroa expand. A greater opportunity for the increasing numbers of Varroa to occupy more cells and multiply very quickly indeed. The preference of Varroa for drone brood cells I think is well documented and one that makes perfect sense. Those extra few days in the cell allows the Varroa to mature in relative safety and emerge ready to begin the process again. This is where the chickens come in. Whether you think you have a Varroa problem or not, this might be a good exercise in keeping their numbers down to a manageable level without any chemical intervention. Now that's got to be worth doing, hasn't it? Take a mucky old brood frame out of the brood box you know the ones, it's black and got holes in it, the queen barely has room to lay any eggs in the cells because they're too old, and you've been promising yourself that you're going to replace it this year anyway. Open up the brood nest area, somewhere where there's sealed brood, or at least the top arch of stores is sealed and not going to be enlarged further. In this gap, add a shallow super frame. If it's drawn comb, so much the better, but if it's foundation, that will do just fine too. The queen will lay into the worker cells, if that's what you have in your honey frames. I know some people use drone foundation for less wax and more honey, but I suspect most have worker base foundation in their super frames. Anyway, add this and give it a couple of weeks. 
the frame will get laid up with eggs and the workers will normally extend from the bottom bars and give you a nice rectangular section of drone cells. The queen will lay in these and once capped, not before, once capped you can shake the bees off, take your hive tool and run it along the bottom bars of the frame cutting away the drone brood cleanly and removing it along with whatever quantity of varroa you have inside. Pop it into the freezer to humanely kill the drone and varroa, then the chickens can fight over it. It works really well and the super frame can be put back in a super, the brood allowed to emerge before it's then filled with honey for extraction later this summer. Job done! Don't forget to check out my website www.norfolk-honey.co.uk and for my latest videos and podcasts with more updates, tips and techniques it's the same Patreon page www.patreon.com forward slash Norfolk Honey and remember I'm Stuart Spinks and that was beekeeping short and sweet.